Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker. On this episode, Michael Cole, the VP of Everflow, joins me again for an interesting conversation. For those listeners joining the conversation for the first time, here's a quick recap. On our previous episodes with Michael, we discuss Everflow and how it helps marketers with attribution. We also explore the differences between affiliate and referral marketing and how marketers can leverage it. Let's get started. Well, cool. I want to talk about a little bit. So I do appreciate about the affiliate and referral marketing. I want to talk about a little bit about the past, present, and future of affiliate marketing. Because sure. you've obviously been doing this a long time. Um, and I want to talk about like the evolution that you've seen of, of affiliate marketing over the last few years. Like what, it, what has changed? And I know you guys have been on the cusp of it. Of, of, and that's why you, if you guys kind of been, built things so it's like agile. So you guys can do things and move and pivot. And mm-hmm. you know, this big company that can't move and you guys are understanding the future. But tell, tell me, talk to me a little bit about the last few years and what has changed. Yeah, so affiliate marketing is very interesting based on when I take out my uh, former, co- in the old days when we could go to conferences and I would get my former coworkers from the agency uh, drunk, they, are, they all still do affiliate management. My understanding is that a lot of affiliate marketing has really not changed at all. They're still doing the same things that they were doing uh, like six or eight years ago. And it basically breaks down to an affiliate marketing program being three major things, which is you have your coupon sites, you have your uh, like content bloggers and content sites, and then you have like your review sites. Those are like the three major types of affiliates. And then you'll have a few other like cool opportunities on top of that, but those make up the backbone of what generates affiliate marketing. So I think that that has been the case for a long time. And so I would say that in the past few years, like the biggest change is just like, a rebranding change from affiliate marketing to partner marketing, um, which I think has been a really good thing for the industry because it's, as a marketer myself, it's hard, like we don't call ourselves a marketing, like an affiliate marketing platform uh, because affiliate marketing is kind of like, has a dirty, it's like a dirty word. It has like negative connotations of only being about coupon sites, um, which is well justified because that was certainly a big, truth of it part of it but this rebranding of partner marketing has really meant that a lot of the older affiliate networks um and things like impact that have done this rebranding towards like partner marketing cloud like they've actually by changing their name and their perspective have really been broadening out the opportunities and making it less about like just the core coupon affiliates and more about like all the partnerships that can be enabled and how those provide value so I think that's where we're at right now is like we're in this transition phase of like proving out the reality of partner marketing being more than just affiliates. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's like just a better foundation because everybody, you know, you do think affiliate. I mean, I know because I've done affiliate for a long time is you think about affiliate marketing. It is that little, you know, you think of the guy that's in his basement that's only selling porn or driving stuff to, you know, friend finder or, wh- or whatever it is, right. Of this, this kind of thing. And they're just making tons of money and they're just in their mom's basement. And I think it's, it's, it's showing that there's a different side of, of the industry, right? Like, listen, like we're not all in our mom's basement and, and there's some mm-hmm. really interesting thing that can happen when it comes to, you know, being able to, to drive traffic and, and figuring out the right partners and some, some cool stuff that can happen there. So I love that. Um, so what do you think, do you think there was any defining trends in 2020? Now, 2020 was just an odd year, right? I mean, we're still yeah. in 2020. It's just such a weird year, but is there any like thing that you saw in 2020 that was interesting from the affiliate side of things that was, that was intriguing to you? 
Yeah. So, I mean, obviously e-commerce has grown massively. So that's a huge trend. And like, I feel it, like every successful e-commerce merchant eventually needs affiliate marketing. So the, because it's just like, it's a way to scale past what you can do internally and work with people that just specialize in driving this performance. So I think that's trend one. I think internally, uh, one thing that we've really focused on is uh, integrations. And I think that this is sort of like how you evolve from say like just affiliate marketing to being really about all partnerships is that if you're a B2B company or you're a SaaS company, like the reason Salesforce is successful is not because Salesforce's technology is particularly good. It's because Salesforce integrates to everything, which yeah. means that every single company, when they set up Salesforce, can connect all of their other data points, all of their other tech platforms and have all that data shared. Um, I think that like the future of partner marketing is going to be the same where it's like, you need to be able to have like your affiliate program feeding into your CRM. You need it feeding into whatever you're using for your internal data analytics and you need that data feeding back. And so for Everflow, like 2020 has been like our year to really like knock out this process of doing all these different integrations with different technology partners. And I think that that is sort of like that transition part from uh, affiliate marketing's past to a partner marketing that's going to be a core part of like every single um, brand. Yeah. So I got, and this is, this is a little off topic. What do you think about Slack and Salesforce? A little $28 billion acquisition? Uh, I mean, it's like, why not? Salesforce prints money. Like their it's, revenue numbers are insane. Like they're doing billions and billions really? and billions of revenue every single year. And like Slack will grow a lot faster selling their product to Salesforce customers. Yeah. And Salesforce has the money where they can do whatever they please. Yeah, it, it's a no brainer, but I just was interested. I mean, I was like, when I saw that number, it was like 27.7 billion. I'm like, that's a nice IPO. You could probably buy a house in Oakland if you IPO to that. Don't you think <laughs> you could probably afford something? I think that would be too bad of a situation. So, yeah, okay, they, back they up. got two IPOs basically, because I, I have a friend who's an engineer at Slack, and it's like they IPO'd and then they got acquired just now. So, like, that's like two paydays. Really? Can you imagine? You're like, <laughs> now I can go buy my friend a house. You should tell your engineer friend to buy you a house because he, he, he ca they cashed out twice. So anyways, that's a side conversation. But um, so talk about what about 2021, right? Because I know that obviously Evernote, this was kind of the, your year to shine in regards to what you guys are putting together. Um, mm -hmm. 2021, what do you look at for affiliate markets? Is there anything trending that you see that's going to be interesting? Obviously, e-commerce is going to continue to grow leaps and bounds. But anything else you've seen? Yeah, so I think that 2021 will be a really interesting year for uh, influencer marketing on a performance basis. So if you think about this year, uh, influencers, a lot of them are pretty spoiled on like easy brand money where they get paid a ridiculous amount to do say like a single Instagram post or whatever. Yeah, A lot of that money washed up during 2020 because yeah. whenever you have a downturn, the first thing that gets cut is like brand awareness dollars. And a lot of that brand awareness dollars is going to influencers. So this year, a lot of influencers have been experimenting with like running stuff on a performance basis, being sort of like a hybrid of like brand awareness and performance. And I think that 2021, like the ones that are seeing success there are going to start running more stuff. And like, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for really ramping up uh, influencers as one of your major like partnership channels. 
Yeah, you, we should talk about that because that's, I agree. I think the influencer thing is, is there's huge potential. I've been talking about influencer marketing. That's a class I teach at UCLA as a personal branding and how to be an influencer mm. course. But I think that's going to be interesting because that's, you know, a lot of the, the influencers have once again have that, the, the money they've gotten from this, that, and the other. But we're getting back to, I would even say last year, I thought it was going to be, or this year was going to be a big hit with that of like, hey, we, that's awesome. You know, I'm not just looking for branding. I'm looking for like true attribution. Like I want to know how much you're moving the needle. And a lot of influencers don't know how to like do that, right? They're like, it's kind of this one-off deal. Oh, I got the deal and I'm just going to send them some kind of reporting if I send them any reporting and they don't really know if it worked or not. And so brands will come to us and say, oh, influencer marketing doesn't work. And it's like, well, I just don't think you set things up correctly, right? It's either mm -hmm. the content or how do you know that if anybody even came through your door and they don't have any of that. So it's like really tying that back into to, you know, performance-based and saying, hey, because performance-based for influencers is most of them don't want to do it because it's scary to them. They're like, well, that means that I have to perform. It's mm -hmm. like, well, that's kind of the point, right? Like if you, mm -hmm. if you know what you're doing there and you can perform, then there's some really good money that could be made there. So anyways, that's kind of interesting. So, um, yeah, on that, I was going to say one more thing on that point. It's just that like, it also isn't just the influencers making this decision. It's like most of the influencers now are, are parts of like these giant influencer marketplaces. So there's a lot of like, up and coming companies are having a lot of success there. And at least from our perspective, like we have a lot of like ongoing partnerships and integrations with these marketplaces because all of a sudden, like they may have had very bare bones performance tracking before, but now they need to have like a robust tracking solution for their customers. And so it makes sense us and get this going. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the thing is if you want to grow your influencer, you know, you're an influencer and you want to grow your business, there's going to be a point where you have to start showing reporting. You're going to have to start showing mm -hmm. what's going on there because brands are getting wise to that. In the beginning, it was like, oh, I'm doing influencer marketing. You tell your board and everything's great. Yeah, we're doing, is it working? I think it is. I mean, we're doing influencer marketing. This is awesome. But nobody really knew like you know, is it driving ROI? Why? I think that it is. And some people were okay at it, but there's always been that disconnect of, you know, ROI and, and, you know, is it really, really, what is it truly driving? So that'll be interesting. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. I think that I'm uh, looking forward to see 2021 on, on how that ties into the influencer side. I think it's going to be interesting. So do you have any, like, what's your number one tip for um, anyone that wants to like be an, an affiliate marketer in 2021? Do you have like a, a tip of like, Hey, this is what you should go after. I mean, knowing you guys are on the cutting edge of it. That is interesting. It's much harder to say from the, I mean, my advice is don't be an affiliate marketer. That <laughs> is really hard and it just gets more challenging every year. Yeah. Uh, in terms of being a brand, like affiliate marketing is an awesome way to continue to grow your business uh, once you've had some success with other channels. Um, but being an affiliate marketing marketer is super hard and yeah. uh, not many people can do it well. And the ones that can do it well tend to continue to build up their businesses bigger and bigger. Yeah, I think that's I, that's funny. I would probably recommend the same thing. Like, oh, because everybody thinks, oh, it's easy money. I've had people in that I know that are like, hey, I've thought about doing influencer or uh, affiliate marketing, and I'm like, why? Like, yeah, but you aren't you? I said, yeah, we're making some money, you know, doing it. It's not, you know, but it's not. It's a lot of work. I mean, to drive traffic is not just you just go put up an ad and then all of a sudden you start counting the money. Like, there's a lot of pieces, a lot of things that go into that for that equation to work. Um, it's not as easy as people think. So, I love that you're like, if you want to be an affiliate market, I'd just recommend you don't, don't do it. That's what I'd recommend. <laughs> yeah, let me. Uh, the the one exception that rule is I still think that there's a ton of opportunity to become a a B two B affiliate marketer. Mm -hmm. I mean this is sort of like the in-between because really you should be doing it as a partnership basis where you're building the partnership with the brand you want to promote. You're getting set up, you're getting some sort of like 
upfront payment plus rev share deal. And then you're building yourself as uh, like a B2B influencer on LinkedIn. And there's definitely a ton of opportunity. It's always really hard to find good marketers who can drive performance for B2B SaaS companies. Um, and like the one thing I'll mention there is like, if you want to do LinkedIn marketing really well, my hack would be just to go check out the LinkedIn page for gong.io. This is like a sales mm-hmm. intelligence company and they are insanely good at LinkedIn. And um, they had like an interview on another podcast and they were saying that like 80% of their like inbound leads come from like uh, organic LinkedIn. So if you want to learn how to do LinkedIn, right, just see how they do it, how they combine like empowering uh, employees to become influencers, uh, posting like really interesting, like things that reflect their brand and then driving things to LinkedIn posts with uh, anchors of like to learn like the seven tips to like sell success, click here. And that takes you to their email sign up on their website. I, I just think that like they have a masterclass on like becoming a B2B influencer and there are a ton of hungry brands for you to be an affiliate promoting um, on the B2B side. That's interesting. Yeah, we should, I you know, so Gong is funny. I, I think I first found out about them. I think I was at a drift conference. Mm-hmm. This is, we talked about conferences again. Let me explain this to everybody. So conferences where people used to get together and they would have speakers and then people would go and there's like other softwares and you could talk with people. You guys Google it. It's not around anymore. And I don't know when the next time you're going to have a conference, but it's this thing. Now we do these things called webinars and the virtual events and stuff like that. This was pre-COVID folks, but um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Gong, I know that they, I used to get emails from them and they were always very intriguing. Like I was like, okay, somebody's doing a good job over here. So I'll have to check them out on the LinkedIn side of things because I'm always looking to do more B2B stuff, especially when it comes to uh, influencer stuff. Because I get a good amount of companies that reach out to me and say, hey, rep our product. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that would be interesting. So I might talk with you offline about that because that could be something interesting as well. An intriguing conversation so far, Michael. However, allow me to pause for a minute and speak to our listeners. If you need to help running your digital marketing campaigns, my team can help. We offer services such as SEO, PR, influencer marketing, content marketing, and more. If you need more information about this, don't hesitate to visit us at shanebarker.com. Now back to the conversation with Michael. Sure. So cool, man. So I think we're, we're about at the end of this, but I've, I've got some good questions for you. So you, are you an avid reader? Do you like reading books? Uh, yeah. I would say that like podcasts have kind of filled up my uh, reading because like it's still like what I really want is like that one major insight from each book and like podcasts are awesome for just like having an expert that provides that one insight. Yeah. So it's, it, I, it's kind of filled it, but I do, I do read. I, it's funny. So I call it like that one nugget, right? It's the same thing at conferences. Like when I'm talking about conferences. Like if I go and see somebody speak, they can give me one good nugget or a website or something that I didn't know about, then I'll take that. Like, I don't, I'm not looking for them to like wow me and for me to like go kiss their ring when they get off stage. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, I just want to like, get me that one thing. I think podcasts is, is an accelerated way to do that. People want to hit you with the information quick. And in, and in a book, it's like, it needs to be 10 chapters. It needs to be this. And you're six hours into it. You're like, my God, just tell me like the one thing that I need to know, which you don't know what that is, but just please hit me with the good stuff. So I was going to ask your favorite book of all time, but why don't you tell me your favorite podcast? Let's start there. I'll answer both though. Uh, let's see. Okay. So my favorite podcast, um, the one that for this audience, the one to check out is the B2B marketing podcast um, with the CMO of Privy. I, B2B CMO podcast. 
uh, I mean, he had, there's like 12 episodes. There's an episode about Gong there, which is where I learned about the, how successful they are with LinkedIn. Um, but he's really good. Cause like, um, I mean, we've been doing fireside chats ourselves and like, it's, I have like this sort of thing that I've been trying to get to, which is that there's a ton of content out there for people that are getting started in the industry, but there's very little content about like, once you're successful, how do you take it to the next level? And Mm -hmm. I really like any like podcasting content that is sort of that like middle ground of like, here is like the logistics of like dealing with managing multiple employees. Here is like how you inspire them. And here is like things that like, once you start doing paid marketing, like what do you actually do to optimize it? Those are much harder to find. And like podcasts have been really great for that. And this uh, uh, B2B uh, CMO podcast is insanely good for it. Okay, I'll have to check it out. And then for uh, book recommendations, the first one that came to mind was uh, the best book on all things PR. Um, It'll also help you understand basically uh, everything that has happened in the last four years with like the Trump presidency and stuff. It's called mm-hmm. uh, Trust Me, I'm Lying uh, by mm-hmm. Ryan Holiday. And it's just a masterclass on PR and about how to use uh, controversy and outrage uh, to sort of like get a huge amount of press attention. It doesn't have to be that sort of aggressive, outrageous one. You just have to realize that like, the news industry works by having a headline hook and that headline hook needs to draw a ton of viewership because each writer is judged by how many people view their articles. So if you pitch a uh, writer um, of a, like a journalist, like an article where you're like, here's something that's like either a unique insight you have or something that's like, sort of like, they know that people will have strong opinions about this article. It's, much easier to actually uh, get their attention. And I personally tested, I used that book's uh, theory with um, a Kickstarter back in the time when Kickstarters were hot. So uh, we did a Kickstarter for my parents' video game, uh, Hero U. We raised like $409,000 on Kickstarter. Um, And the way that I pitched all the publications was that I just gave them the headline and how like sort of the interview would support that headline that I proposed. And it was really effective. That's awesome. So really educational for PR. Yeah, I love that. Well, Ryan Holiday's, I mean, he's awesome. I mean, he's had some phenomenal books. I read, which one was, I can't remember the name of it. It was the one where, um, talking about, I'm going to blank, you know, the guy from uh, PayPal. And I was talking about the, I'll have to remember Jones. the name of the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like that anyway. So that was, Ryan's in some awesome stuff. In fact, I, I, Ryan's probably somebody I should have on the podcast because he's a pretty interesting dude with the stuff that he does. He's super interesting for sure. Yeah, he is. He is. He's always digging deep and, you know, getting the, getting the answers to stuff. Um, so here goes my, my final question for you. Like if you could have dinner with any three people, this is dead or alive, who would be the three people that would be at your table for dinner? Yeah, I was thinking this about this. And I think that uh, for me, it would, as long as there was like a, say like a babble fish translator so that I could understand them. I would probably just choose like three random people from like different eras, like someone from like the 1600s, someone from like 1100 and someone from like, say like 100 BC, just because I am always fascinated with the fact that history doesn't work the way we think it does. 
Um, the best example is like the one that always made me obsessed with history is that there's this incredible book about uh, the Mongols. I think mm-hmm. it's called like Genghis Khan and the making of the modern world. And at one point the Mongols have sort of like conquered like China and the Middle East and they're getting into Europe. And by the time they get to Europe, um, the Europeans are convinced that they are like have dragons because the Mongols have flamethrowers, grenade launchers and cannons by the time that they get to them. And this is like, what, like 1100 AD? Like yeah. we, we think of everything following like a sort of like video game chronology of like technology, but actually like different worlds had like such different <laughs> technologies and experiences. And so it'd just be fascinating to see like, what does your life actually look like? Because the other thing is that like the world was global way faster than we rise. There are people traveling across the continent, like in like 500 AD. And like, I've, I just find it mind blowing. Cause like, I just don't really know what that world looks like. And every time that I find like some of these insights, I'm like, oh, wow. Like this is totally different than I realized. Yeah. 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 That would be, that's interesting. I like the fact that you would, that you, you're interested in history like that. And it's like to bring those people together and say, Hey, let's kind of have a conversation here. What are you guys seeing? What'd you see during your time? And what'd you see during your time? It's a little back to the future, back to the future action there. Mm -hmm. I like that. Awesome. So Michael, if anybody needs to get in contact with you or wants to learn more about Everflow, how can they go about doing that? Yes. You can always just go to our website. Um, You can always, we always have chat available. So it's easy to reach our team. Um, you can email me directly at michael at everflow.io. Um, I'm always happy to answer any questions. And then the other best way to follow us is go to LinkedIn and go to Everflow on LinkedIn. Um, we're always producing regular content there. Um, it's we're always produce. We're talking with really interesting people. Um, so last week we talked with uh, Matt Santos of NPXL, uh, which is Neil Patel's uh, SEO agency. And I learned more in that hour about SEO than I have in like the last five years. So we've been getting really great content and it's really easy to learn and we just make it very digestible. That's awesome. That's awesome. We'll definitely check that out. Michael, thank you once again. I know you got a busy schedule. Thanks for being on the podcast today, man. And we'll keep in touch. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. This is really great. Okay, folks, we had a fun conversation with Michael and I hope you learned a lot from our discussion. Next week, I will host another phenomenal guest, so stay tuned to the Marketing Growth Podcast.